Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. Jay is not here. I was going to do my favorite, oh, my name's Jay voice, but I realized we'll have some new people listening and they'll just be very confused. My cat just scratched the ever-living hell out of my shoulder, so thank you for that, Cora. That's the third member of this. Oh, God. Um, so we got a really good show today. We have an interview with Preston Sprinkle. Um, now the thing about this episode, if you join our Patreon, we have like a straight up full length other interview with Preston, uh, that he did. We were going to do it in two parts, but, um, Preston just wanted us to, to use it on our Patreon. It's a little more raw. I think you think you folks will like it. So head on to our Patreon page. You can join for as little as a dollar and you'll get that full bonus episode. Um, I think that's all the house cleaning we got. You know, send us an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at uh, capital C-O, their drugs, I think. Um, yeah, I know, Core. I'm coming. All right. Enjoy the interview. on so i'm supposed to send it off to the the final it's a final 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 kind of edit so it's just like getting looking for mistakes and stuff so what's it on well it's on sexuality it's it's actually a, a small group curriculum for like churches and stuff so it has like discussion questions it has like videos you watch and everything so it's not like a book book but it's it's basically like a you know like a five chapter book with short chapters with discussion material and stuff so oh that's yeah. cool that's a, yeah, that's a much needed subject. Yeah, yeah. yeah a, I'm excited so about it. <laughs> I remember having the, uh, I guess it was really common in like evangelical churches. It was, uh, I think we were in middle school and it was a youth group night and they would bring in some kind of counselor and they would separate the guys and the girls and your parents would come. <laughs> Have you ever heard of oh. anything like that? Yes, yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Super <laughs> awkward. Just so oh, weird. Yeah. Uh. You get some eighty-year-old dude talking about like masturbation or something. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which actually, okay, we can dovetail this. So I also asked um, our listeners if they had any questions, and and I okay. picked two of theirs. And okay. this guy said, "What are young unmarried people supposed to do with their sexual desire? Like, what's the? I guess what he's saying is like, what's the? 
outlet or <laughs> yeah yeah the proper handling of that <laughs> no pun intended, no pun intended. <laughs> all right so are we we're live we're going we're yep. doing this oh, yeah, yeah yeah all right um younger so yeah um, let's just talk about masturbation then i i don't think um i don't think masturbation is intrinsically wrong and uh i would say my the, the clearest evidence for that is during biblical times um i'm pretty confident that people were masturbating and yet there's not yeah. a single there's not a single verse that says don't do this so isn't the either only, isn't the only one they point to the don't spill your seed on the ground yeah which has nothing to do with masturbation and right. it's genesis genesis 38 uh, a guy named onan is supposed to impregnate the widow of his brother so his brother died, left the widow with no kids, and he's supposed to raise up descendants for her to, to carry on the name of the of the dead husband, his brother. Okay. And uh, he's like, no, this, these kids aren't going to be my own. They're going to belong to my dead husband, so I'm just going to spill my seed on the ground. Oh. And, and not, so has nothing. To, he's not even masturbating. He's actually pulling out. He's having sex, but not, you know. Because I've, um, I've definitely heard that. <laughs> I've definitely heard that, yeah. verse, that verse as the argument. It's That's usually funny. the one pointed to, and it's nothing. To, he's not even masturbating. So, and I guess uh, to clear up, we're talking about non-assisted um, masturbation, like no pornography. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So, por- yeah. I mean, I, I don't. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a grace guy. I I tend to extend the boundaries pretty far, and I like to confront legalism, and um, but I just can't find any anything that would ever say pornography is ever okay even right you know some married couples are like no you know he's porn to spice up a marriage i just i can't see anything healthy about even that i mean but especially non-marital porn just yeah I, I can't find any justification for that um but yeah from just so non-pornography or i wouldn't say non-lustful masturbation because lust is condemned and some people say well that's impossible i'm like i don't i don't know if it's just impossible to masturbate without lust i mean if you're i don't know i don't don't know (laughs) joey spinson claimed that he that he mastered that feat (laughs) really yeah he he claimed that he 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 (laughs) figured out a way to do it without thinking of anything at all and i was like okay yeah so Let's just say it is possible. So I, I, the, the fact that the Bible never directly d- addresses it, let alone condemns it, I think it's not intrinsically wrong. It, it can definitely be addictive. I think it can be. Yeah. In fact, psychologists tell me that w- you know whenever you have an orgasm, can we? How explicit can we be here? Are you pretty explicit yeah. on the oh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when a human has an orgasm, it releases all kinds of like what oxytocin or oxytocin, um, oxytocin, oxy, uh, <laughs> uh, which like a bonding agent right which Mm -hmm. is like so if you're doing that a lot by yourself you're training yourself to have to to not be able to bond with another person through a sex act now if you're single for life or whatever then i guess there's no problem there but if you end up getting married or are married there can be potential dangers there you know things that are you're training yourself to have to, to not bond through sex with another person um but again, and, and the addiction of it, the potential for less and all that. So there's all yeah, kinds of caveats. I see it a ton in the recovery community with, with pornography, especially. And me too. There was a there was a, a couple of years ago when I tried to get sober, I, I like completely switched over to, to a pornography addiction. Like 
Really? So, to, to feel that kind of like oh yeah it's extremely it's ex- it like the bluntest way i can put it is an orgasm is extraordinarily close to like a hit of crack cocaine oh wow okay yeah like like very close oh so you can definitely like substitute the two and then i guess they're coming out with studies that say they are very 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 closely linked but wow. um you okay just a plug. you just made a plug for uh pornography <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> well i don't want to try crack but okay i'll just go try this um okay i think we got that one so this is one and i don't even know i'll try to figure out how to, to to word the question you kind of answered it in one of your recent podcasts but it has to do with with this the christian mysticism movement okay going on um I haven't been able to pinpoint exactly what about it bothers me, but it's because like I've had, um, Mike Morell, he co-wrote the divine dance. I talked to him with Richard. He's like a Richard Rohr person. And it's extremely hard for me to criticize what they believe without sounding like a complete asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's, it sounds great. Like God loves everyone. Like the whole sin doesn't separate you from God. Nothing can separate you from God. Mm. That kind of thing. I don't know. How can I get a question out of this? Like, and then especially people like Rob Bell, who was a biblical scholar, how can two people that obviously obvious to me, love Jesus and study the scripture, come to these vastly different conclusions. Yeah. So there, yeah, there's several questions there. Yeah. Um, as far as the mysticism goes, how I, my first question would be, what do you mean by that? Because okay. yeah, that so, that can mean many different things to many different people. I've heard even you know someone like John Piper call himself a yeah, Christian mystic, okay, we'll, and we'll call it um, the Eckhart Tolle type. I mean, that's a pretty easy, <laughs> not him, but um, like. They study the the desert fathers and like the ancient yeah. Hebrew traditions and the more I guess it's the um, your personal experience with God trumps any written word of God type thing. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. I think that's uh, a f- I, if I'm wrong, people write me, but I think that's a fair definition that it's, it's <laughs> that experiential stuff right. trumps necessarily. That it seems to me they have a relative. The, the Bible is just this provincial teaching tool, and, and it has some some pretty neat wisdom in it but other than that it's you know yeah it's people i i get the and i, and I kind of know some of the names of, of different people who would kind of fit that bill and 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 they may if you describe it like that they may kind of push back but in in the in the actual um when they're talking it does feel like that it does feel like the experience is kind of the ultimate authority or the lens the primary lens through which we read the bible and um, they're, they're much more willing to critique kind of what the Bible says than didn't even question their own experience. It's kind of like, I wish you would yeah. put your own experience to the same, uh, microscope that you do kind of traditional interpretations of the Bible. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how much you or even my your audience knows about me. I mean, I, 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 I'm fairly progressive in a lot of theological views and, and have pretty much left behind all scent of fundamentalism that i grew up with yeah but in these kind of when it comes to the bible i'm still i don't know like i 
I, I think I'm much more nuanced than I used to be in my view of Scripture. But I, at the end of the day, the fact that Scripture is the ultimate authority over my experience or over tradition, I just I still live by that. I try to at least. And I mean, I where do you think that comes from? Like from the Scripture itself that it's telling that about itself, yeah. or just just yes. Okay. Well, uh, I would say that and just being a monotheist. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, traditional, I mean, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. I mean, we, we all have, um, holy books, right? We, we have, mm -hmm. uh, authoritative writings that aren't the only source of authority, but are the guiding, governing and ultimate source of authority. So let, you know, let's be clear. I mean, um, scripture is not the only source of authority, but it is the ultimate source of authority, meaning, we do have, you know, creeds, we do have uh, traditions, we do have, you know, uh, denominations that have certain agreed upon, you know, aspects of their tradition that they hold to. But any branch of Christianity, even the, well, I, I can't speak for the Catholic Church, but any branch uh, of Protestantism. That was one of the okay. <laughs> any, let's just stop. I'm not, I, I wasn't, I'm not, wasn't raised in Catholic churches, so I don't want to speak for them, but. As far as Protestantism goes, I mean, even very liberal denominations are still going to say that Scripture is the ultimate authority. So, right. um, I and here's the thing, you know, some people will say, well, no, Jesus is the ultimate authority and it's Jesus, not Scripture. And it's like, well, well tell me, what do you know about Jesus? Yes, that's, that was <laughs> well, exactly what I was about to say. I hear he loves tax so collectors. He loves tax collectors. He loves a widow. And he did. I'm like, well, how do you know all that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've heard that so much. Like, like, I don't, you know, I don't follow those outdated rules. I'm just a Jesus follower. Like, right. I, I'm like, well, how do you, why do you trust that? But you yeah. know, well, yeah, that's, that's yes. That is a conundrum so, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to, I don't want to put the Bible as like the third member of the Trinity and, and elevate right. about Jesus, but you can't, it's a false dichotomy to say Jesus, not just scriptures. Yes. Thank you. Je Jesus himself would be, I mean, he'd be bewildered at that. I mean, think about what Jesus says about the old Testament, the scriptures. I mean, he holds it up incredibly high and never says, you know, it's me or that. So, well, why do you think, what do you make of the people that say, Jesus will be really ticked off that a new religion got that he started a new religion. Have you heard that? Uh, yeah, sort of. So is, it, is that kind of just uh, a, a lame, bogus? Yeah, all these things are just—it's just kind of sloppy straw man accusation. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would, yeah, yeah. I would say that. Um, so he he didn't come to start a, a new religion. He came to fulfill an old one. You know, he came to fulfill. Uh, he came to create, you know, um, a a new covenant people who were sort of the fulfillment of the old covenant promises. Well, when the Jewish people of the first century largely rejected that, it, it, you know, it wasn't so much that Jesus started a new religion. It was that the old religion didn't want the new branding of that old religion and went the other way. Yeah, okay. So, you know— you could say that, you know, Christianity is simply a Jesus movement or followers of the Jewish Messiah, or how you want to frame it. Um, but to say he didn't come to start a new religion, it just kind of doesn't even make sense. It's yeah, like, well, yeah, right. yeah, so what? Like, what does that even mean? Like, if what they mean that the current version of Christianity wasn't what Jesus envisioned, well, maybe, maybe not. But let's, let's, let's 
have that discussion then. Let's not just kind yeah. of make a, a statement he didn't come to start a new religion. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, so this, like, this might just be a quick one. So is <laughs> I was going to go down a Hebrew rabbit trail. So like, do you, are Jews like guaranteed? Is there like since they're, are they, they're still God's chosen people? Yes. Well, so no, uh, no, <laughs> no. OK, well, and, and there's so massive debates about this. So, it, yeah, so go, you're go saying ahead. when Jesus died, that's that we're in a new covenant. Is that so? I, well, uh, yes, um, yes, we do have a new covenant. I mean, that, and that was prophesied in the Old Testament. But I would say, I mean, the New Testament. I think the New Testament, New Testament is fairly clear that a child of Abraham, according to the New Testament, is somebody who has faith in Jesus, not somebody who has a certain ethnic heritage. Oh. And you know, I mean, John the Baptist, uh, Jesus himself, and and the Book of Hebrews, and Paul in Romans nine to eleven. I mean, especially Romans eleven seems to make it pretty clear that hey look just because you're just because you're born jewish doesn't guarantee you anything it's it's having faith in jesus christ so okay. and again i'm giving one perspective on that question yeah, of but course. that's where i would be and um yeah anybody that denies jesus regardless of the ethnic heritage is on the wrong side of salvation so okay well um so with marriage Okay. What's the proper way to handle? Because I have, you know, me and my wife talk about this. I'll get a little personal. Um, <laughs> she is just not as into organized religion at all. She got kind of burned by a church, which I totally get. Same thing happened to me. But just and just recently, I've gotten into it. So like, I've just recently gotten into reading the Bible and all this stuff. So naturally, I feel like she should be at the same level, right? so yeah yeah and and it and i end up just making a big old a-hole out of myself because like that is not the things i would have wanted to hear back in the day either but like how does because i know the bible says like you know it talks about spouses being sanctified through childbirth and then all the other (laughs) or just like a household is made holy by the one or whatever Basically, yeah. like, what's the, what's the, what do you got on that? Oh, man, that's a huge, <laughs> let, let me, uh, the two and, verses you referenced, I, let me leave those aside, because those okay, are going to yeah. create kind of problems in and of themselves, but I, um, man, I, I feel like we're in the same boat as you, my wife and I, we're constantly wrestling with what is church, uh, what church to go to, are we, you know, we, we've, we've bounced around from different churches, and We've gone through stages where we were like, gosh, we just don't want to go. We don't want to be involved. There's sometimes churches can be so goofy and just, yeah, I don't know. It's like, why are we here? And yeah. so I, oh man, we, <laughs> and, and I say that and I don't, part of it is us. We're to blame. Like, yeah, we need to just repent. And part of it, I think is the church is goofy sometimes and just like mm-hmm. irrelevant or, and I don't know where that line is. I don't want to blame it on the church or blame it all on us. And, so I, I don't know. I, I may not even be able to answer your question because I think it would very much resonate with it. Here is what the one thing I would see clear in Scripture is that Christianity and the Christian faith is not designed to be an individual religion. So we need, as humans hmm. and as Christians, we absolutely need 
community, the other, the body of Christ. I mean, even that metaphor, the body of Christ, you know, first Corinthians, it says, you know, one's an eye, one's an ear and all this. Like, I mean, we can't, if we take that metaphor seriously, not literally, but seriously, I mean, that's pretty profound. Paul says that we are simply one aspect of a body, which means you can't, you can't exist without the rest of it. Like you, you need the yeah. rest of the body. But I, I, having said that, the form of what that community looks like, I think I take a, a, a very generous, broad view of that. So I don't, to you know, your wife, the or her sort of reaction against organized religion, and you know, I, I would need to hear her articulation of that. But right. I, I, I think you can be turned off on organized religion and still have solid biblical Christian community. What I don't want to see, and I see some people fall in this trap, is say, you know, my faith is just my own. I'm tired of all this Christianity stuff, and I'm just going to do, you know, pray to God by myself, and that's it. That. I couldn't find anything in the New Testament in the words of Jesus that would sort of justify that sort of hyper individualistic view of of living out your faith. You do need community, whether or not that's in a church building with a pastor or just simply some sort of informal community together. You need you need other believers to exist. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. What so the when we talked last time too, I was talking about I think it was what Essentially, the question is like, what are, what are what are the dangers of the repercussions of sin? And you you said something about well, that person might not be saved. And I'm kind of paraphrasing just to get to this point of. Yeah. So I I grew up with the you know the magic magic words, salvation or whatever. You say this one prayer and then you're you're good to go. Once saved, always saved. And right. I had like extreme neurosis about it and I said it, I've said it so many times, like, and I was always asking my mom, like, how do I know, am I saved? Like, are you sure? And, you know, I think I've been baptized like four times and so (laughs) what, what, and then going through, and then I find out that the, that prayer is nowhere in the Bible and I was like, well, that's, you know, okay, I've been lied to on that. (laughs) <laughs> and it just seems and it seems like every time they ask Jesus how do you how must I be saved he gives a couple different answers so mm. and it, so that's I'm thinking back to my so I you know I, I was a Christian I would say from a very young age but then I went through my years of extreme living in sin and heavy drug use and everything under the sun and it's like now I'm wondering like if I died back then what would have happened was I not saved or is it a testament that I was saved, the fact that I'm here today sober and it was just a time of chastisement or, or purification, yeah. sanctification? I've wrestled with this question a lot. Um, and I just ah, I just wonder how much of the question itself is a very modern one. Like I, um, I, I don't know if I, – I don't have a pinpointed – time of conversion in my life. I was raised in a Christian home, but my dad wasn't a believer. Then he left my mom when I was 10. And so I was kind of raised in a church after that. I went to church, but I wasn't involved. And I kind of lived like the devil for a few years, but I always mentally believed. And then when I was 19, Mm -hmm. I started to really live it out, you know, and when was I saved? I look back and I used to really try to pinpoint, was it when I, you know, and now I'm like, I just don't, I, I think, my personal, as I kind of reflect on that, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. I'm following Jesus yeah. now. If 
by the grace of God, I'm trying to follow him and I fail, but I try to repent. And, and I just, you know, there is, the Bible does not give people much confidence in their salvation if they're not living it out. Okay. Like it doesn't, you, you just sort of like, oh, I know you're living in sin, but don't worry, don't worry. You're still saved. You said, you know, you got saved back then. Like the Bible never really gives people that kind of confidence. Um, would it, would it not be like when Paul talks about your, so, you know, your sins are as far as the East from the West, is that not that? So, yeah, I mean, you're, I think, we're, you or know, talk, or is it talking past tense? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, when we are saved, we're, we've been forgiven and all the sins we have committed and will commit have been forgiven. I think that's a slightly different question than asking a real kind of personal question of is, you know, Tom, Dick or Harry, are they Christians right now? I think if mm. we said that we would say, well, let's look at the fruit. Let's look at the evidence. Do they give evidence that they're saved? You know, um, there's a confession. There's some sort of obedience, some sort of like, I'm, I, I give evidence that I'm an apple tree. Like I've got a couple apples hanging off my branches, you <laughs> yeah, know, that's a pretty good I indicator. Mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you, if you look at a cell phone tower and the cell phone tower looks at you and says, I'm an apple tree, you might say, well, I, I might need a little more evidence. Well, I, yeah. I just I, I say I am because well, the more the just, more I think about a, the more I think about that, the more I believe that the number of actual yeah people is getting severely whittled down. Then, yeah, I think so. I I, I do, and I, you know, in in the New Testament, the primary evidence of whether or not somebody's saved is perseverance. Ooh, um, yeah. No, I know. And it's scary, but it's okay. Yeah. Like I I don't I, I I think we need to have this healthy tension of still living in the fear of God and yet trusting in his grace and not our own performance. And I know that sounds contradictory almost, but you do see kind of both emphases in scripture of um throwing yourself in the grace of God, not trusting in your performance, and yet if you're living a life of sin you should be kind of scared a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. um, you know, the parable of the sowers is, is, yeah, you know, that's... what, yeah. I, but in, 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 in Luke's retelling of it, I forget where, what is it? Luke, uh, eight, I think, or seven or eight or something like that. Yeah, um, break it down for the people that might not. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know where it's somewhere in Luke, <laughs> somewhere I mean, in the you, Bible. You can paraphrase. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you got, the sower sowing seeds and some fall upon the road and the thorns and the rocky places and all. And he, he kind of like, you know, gives different examples of genuine conversion, but it's the, the, the seed that falls upon the good soil that the way you know that it's good soil is that it, it, it grows up, it produces fruit, it keeps producing fruit. And it, and Jesus, when he kind of explains that parable says, it's those who persevere that are the good soil. Like, how do you know this is a Christian? Well, let, let's look at the perse- perseverance. Like, you, you may not be able to determine everybody right away. Like, you're saved, you're saved, you're not saved, you're saved, you're not saved. Like, it's kind of like looking at the total life posture. And, and hmm. so, I don't know. I mean, I I just don't – I don't know. I, yeah, it's a toughie. Just kind of thinking out loud. Yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes we're too focused on are they in, are they out, are they in, or are they out, rather well, than just saying are they following Jesus and not trying to kind of pinpoint it so specifically. Well, I, I guess I bring it back up because in, in kind of another question is because some days I don't feel like 
I've gotten any better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so then it's scary. It's like, uh, you know, my mom always says, and my mom's an awesome, like, she's my faith rock. Um, she's like, yeah, you know, when I'm, you know, asking for forgiveness of sins, it's usually, it's, you know, all my life, it's the same ones. Yeah. You know, relatively. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's, it seems like there's this weird tension in the Bible of, and I guess Paul put it perfectly when he was like, so should I go on sinning or like, what's, what am I doing here? Like, so there's grace. So you're telling me I'm, I'm covered and yet you still, and it's not works based, but then you got Hebrews being like, uh, be careful. You, so like you can see where it's, it's a, it's totally. a, it's a might bit confusing of, well, am I or aren't I? And what am I? What are we to do? I guess, I mean, I guess it's not, I'm thinking out loud also. I guess it's not that confusing. And it's, it's, if you just step yeah. back and you get the idea of you're striving for a goal, you will fail. God covers the failure. I think so. You know, I'm, I, and I very much resonate with you. I think back when I first became a Christian, man, man, I didn't like even discipline myself to pray or fast i was like i can't wait to wake up and not eat all day and just pray for five hours like i was just so on fire and just like emotionally like the emotional excitement of being a christian was just overwhelming mm. and now and now it's like I, golly i have to like fight for that I, I have hardly any like emotional excitement about christianity now it's like oh, i'm just trying to slug this out and just kind of be a halfway decent dad and you know it's it's tough man and so but also i think that i don't know like our i i think that that's okay like that struggle i think that god wants us to live in that struggle and keep pursuing him in that and not i don't know um yeah because I, well, I, I, you know, I think back some people too, and our, our values kind of changed too. Like, so back when, um, yeah, I was, uh, first converted, let's just say I was in my early twenties on fire for Jesus, all emotional, this, that. Um, but I was kind of a racist, you know, I, I didn't care for the poor, you know, I would laugh at gay jokes and stuff. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff that yeah, yeah, yeah. now, now I'd be appalled at, like I totally would have eagerly voted for trump back then you know no offense to anybody that you know whatever but i'm not not, not a huge fan but i mean there's you know your values kind of shift and change you, you don't even really realize it so i know i know tons of really racist people who read the bible two hours a day they're praying four hours every morning you know like yeah it's but they're totally racist you know, know. They, they, like, they, how, you know what are you missing there how do you not yeah. see that yeah but i get <laughs> but it. then i know other people that are anti-racist solid christians but they haven't read the bible in two months you know and and yeah i think both are kind of wrong you know i mean I, uh, but but i think sometimes as we get older we may be extra hard on ourselves. But if we step back and objectively look at our total life and we may have been maybe not as close to Jesus as we thought we were 20 years ago and actually maybe closer than we realize we are if we look back and, and, and see it. So I, it's, it's tough, man. I, yeah. I wrestle with the question constantly. And, and I just, um, because of your interview, I just, I got um, Comer, John Mark Comer's book, yeah. Garden City. Yeah, because that's that's all that's been one of my existential questions. So this is just to give a little background. So kind of what got me into drugs and like kind of giving up was I I literally I took on the 
this life is just to be bared. I hate this. I hate everything about like the world and people and like well, this is just a, I can see the curse everywhere and like so I'm just trying to get to the next one, get on to the next one, and I just really do not care about the here and now because I didn't. I sh- I guess I have to see a a purpose and a point for everything, and I just couldn't understand like. So what are we doing here? Like, if there was no society, if there was nothing, what am I supposed to do all day? Like, what's my purpose? Just w- wake up, eat, and be? Is that just, like, what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. So I really liked Comer's book because it kind of tackled that question head on and, you know, that heaven eventually is going to be essentially this with jobs and occupations and everything. And it's and then I guess Piper's answer is just we're just supposed to glorify the Lord, like, that's yeah. <laughs> pretty broad, whatever that means, John. Like, thank you. Um, <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. Like, okay, yeah, who yeah, would deny like, that? But what a does that really break it down? That is, but um, yeah. So it's like, does God and, I, and okay? And so I used to think, as as my other host says, you know, I, I live with like my tiptoes on the ground and my head in the clouds, and like I'm supposed like, does God want us to? live this life and like work and live and not like is it bad that are we supposed to be just thinking about god constantly Mm -hmm. or does he take joy in us like ditching the training wheels sometime and just like yeah being guided by the spirit i'm sorry i'm trying to narrow it as best i I think that in some branches of Christianity, especially in previous generations of evangelicalism, there was a stark contrast between thinking about God and being a good Christian versus everything else that's kind of the material realm, you know, which is why Sunday morning was holy and Monday was kind of different, you know. And, uh, yeah, I love John Mark Comer stuff. And, And the thing is, I mean, so many thoughtful evangelicals would, definitely agree with that like the whole kind of you know living in the clouds kind of thing is is not really promoted that well maybe, maybe it is a kind of popular christianity but um most thoughtful christians are arguing for a more integrated view of the christian faith and not you know instead of you know either living this life or living like a christian or thinking about god what if you think about god and live for god through the material good so that Right. When I look at a sunset and appreciate it for what it is, that is thinking about God, even if I'm not like, okay, now go into contemplative mode, you know, or if I'm working hard at my job or enjoying, if I'm water skiing and enjoying the day or something like that, like it's not, if, even if I'm not thinking about God, I'm appreciating God's creation for what it is and reveling in you know, the beauty of creation that God has created for our pleasure. And I, I, I think I, I would lean toward not being so hard on us if we're not just connecting the dots on every single thing. Like, you know, yeah. oh, it's not about it's not about the wakeboard. It's about God who, you know, they do that every time I get on a wakeboard. It's like, no, like just enjoy it yeah. for what it is. And I know at the end of the day, this is part of God's creation. And, and I'm, you know, um, Be- because it's, It, yeah, it almost seems because yeah, that 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 would just get into hardcore Calvinism because it's like it seems like <laughs> the fall and all that. This world was the purpose. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> steer us in um, different direction. Yeah. So I'll steer us into some history. Do you know? Are you? Yeah. Um, so I hear a lot of some common, it's kind of apologetics, I guess, but some common things is like the Bible is just a ripoff of other things. And I did a little bit of, of research myself to see if there was any ancient Hebrew writings that came before like the Babylonian and Egyptian texts. And from what I, my, you know, four Google searches, I couldn't find anything like, why, why is that? And what's your, I've already like kind of debunked myself the whole, like Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is a Horus ripoff and stuff. And all that's just like really, really sloppy scholarship. Like, but (laughs) why is there not more older, which came first? the hebrew or the babylonian yeah. like like accounts of creation yeah <laughs> accounts of creation is that what you're saying sure or yeah. like yeah. A, a flood or all that um yeah well it, here's the way i envision first of all the, the sort of parallel accounts of creation or the flood or different things um you know written about in the old testament um those aren't a threat at all. I mean, here's the way I frame it. If there was a massive flood, whether it's worldwide or not, not a discussion, let's just say there's a massive flood, we would kind of expect other cultures and civilizations and religions to talk about that. And we would also expect people to retell that story in different ways. Um, we would also expect probably some similarities. So, mm-hmm. For instance, you know, you look at the Gilgamesh epic mm-hmm. and there's some uh, there's some really fascinating parallels with the, the biblical account of the flood. There's also some differences. Well, it, it, we're dealing with an oral culture that retold stories, you know, verbally passed on down through generations. And then both of them ended up or different cultures started to write those down. Well, what? If there was a flood, what else would we expect? We would expect other cultures to be retelling these. We would also expect some similarities, some differences. Well, that's exactly what we find in the account of creation. So let's just say that creation happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and um, let's just say whether or not they were actual figures, but let's just say there was a, you know, a a primal kind of human pair, Adam and Eve. Whether or not they were the first human pair of every humanity or maybe a pair of humans selected out of, you know, a bunch of other humans or whatever. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just, uh, level the playing field and just have a really broad view of Genesis one to 11 and say, well, if if there was a God and there, there was a creation and there was, you know, an early group of humanity that, you know, was sort of in this covenant with God, we would expect other, civilizations and cultures and religions to talk about that (laughs) like um, well again that's exactly what we find we see parallels to the genesis account with some similarities and some differences so it doesn't even matter which one came first or second or third or whatever it's just the fact that there's parallel accounts out there is exactly what we we would expect if we didn't see any parallel accounts of any of that stuff that would be probably more scary some people are freaked out that we have you know other accounts of the flood i would be more freaked out if there was nothing (laughs) there was nothing yeah yeah uh, um where so, so 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 the Bible doesn't have to be the first written record of all that stuff. That doesn't, you know. I mean, Hebrew as a language is is a pretty late language. So you have Akkadian and Ugaritic and all these other languages that predate Hebrew. So the fact that we have why is that? Akkad- oh, it, it's just um, it's just that's just how like it's just how it happened. 
Yeah, I mean, different language. I mean, look at English. Where did English come from? I, you yeah, know, it's true. really it's a really recent language. So Hebrew, as far as I understand, I'm not an expert in that, this conversation, but um, it's sort of a um, so Akkadian or Sumer- Sumerian is way earlier, and then Ugaritic is kind of later, and it has kind of the Hebrew script, and then Hebrew is kind of a kind of derived from Ugaritic. So it's just an, an amalgamation, you know, of different languages that. You know, it's, that's just how language works. I mean, yeah, there's, that's true. That's pretty normal. Yeah. This is just, I just want your opinion. So how like, yeah. how old do you think humanity is? Like, where do you land on that um, one? So I am not a scientist at all. Hey, no, that's fine. Neither am I. <laughs> so, but we can both pretend I, to be. I just want to know your opinion <laughs> because then I'm so, going to come with some other stuff. <laughs> okay. But my opinion, I will say, is based on many other people who I respect who, number one, believe in the biblical the biblical authority and number two uh are do understand the science they've done the research there and i would say 98 percent of those people that i respect would be old earth um humanity like this the the science is pretty the the the, the general perspective of science is pretty accurate like the age of the earth age of humanity and all that so um yeah so i would be more of like an old earth guy i I don't think there's anything in early chapters of genesis that is incompatible with that and yet and yet like are there christians that think well i yeah maybe i shouldn't get in science because i'm just making myself sound like an idiot but um (laughs) because my next point nephilim okay so (laughs) we don't even have to go deep into it but Happened or no? I'm a big Nephilim guy. We oh cool. <laughs> oh yeah. So dude. like I, I've done, like honestly, in like the whole Nephilim thing. Uh, I guess for people that don't know, it's the belief. Uh, it's written in like the Book of Enoch, and it's mentioned in Genesis that there were these rebel angels that came down and mated with women and produced these giants. Um, yeah. That were called the Nephilim, and then. Yeah. They were wiped out in the flood, and that's where demons come from, that the spirits of the Nephilim remain, like a third of the spirits. Huh. You heard that? You had not heard that part? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, it's yeah, good. yeah. So, <laughs> and it, it, it honestly, it solves so many, so yeah. many problems for me, such as, like, particular bloodline slaughters in the Old Testament, and I don't know. Why do you, why do you think people this day and age are so quick to dismiss anything of that like that's like that's just absurd but we're like oh yeah you know a guy totally raised from the dead that's fine but like angels like come on like that's just <laughs> poppycock yeah well it does sound kind of creepy yeah, and sci-fi and you know but i i uh yeah i My- agree with you i think that um here's one little uh curveball though in genesis 6 where we read about the story it's only four verses genesis uh-huh. 6 1 to 4 and and Jude and Second Peter refer back to it just kind of in passing, and in the Jewish tradition they talked about it all over the place. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah Enoch, you've got like chapters of chapters of chapters of detailed stuff on what happened in those four verses in Genesis, and and it seems that the New Testament writers simply assumed the standard Jewish view, which is exactly what you yep. said: angels came down, had sex with women, some sort of hybrid offspring. But here's the one curveball I'd say is. The actual Nephilim that are mentioned there, it ne- it doesn't explicitly say that the Nephilim were the offspring of that union. It simply says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. 
And the reason why yeah, I point that true. out, yeah, um, is because in, yeah, in Numbers thirteen thirty three, it references Nephilim in the in the land of Canaan. This is way after the flood. Nephilim seems seems to be a term simply for big people, whether big is like eight feet tall or twenty feet tall, just doesn't really specify mm. that. But um, but it does talk about the the men of renown in Genesis six. It does talk about yeah. an offspring. Which, according to Enoch and other pieces of Jewish literature, are demons, basically. So yeah, well, and it's from the digging I've done. It's that's exactly what the story of that is. Ex- like almost a carbon copy, the story of the Greek pantheon, the Egyptian pantheon, <laughs> like the you know the Hercules, the demigods, all the you know. It just yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that the Bible. It's like everything ripped that off. Like that's where all yeah. that stuff came from. So I guess well, even in what's fascinating is in Second Peter two four, he even uh, uses a Greek word Tartarus to refer to these demons in prison. But the word yeah. Tartarus was exact is the precise word used in those Greek mythologies. So it's it's an interesting connection there where Peter seems to kind of affirm a lot of that stuff. And yeah. but again, I, I would just and, go back to the the point earlier that if this actually did happen, we would expect those traditions to trickle down into different mythological. Th- you know, yeah, exactly. View. They so, wouldn't stay. Yeah, and that's so the like, parallels. Yeah. Isn't that what some people think? Who Jesus went and preached to was the angels yeah. in chains. I, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, First Peter three. It seems he seems to be drawing on that story and and saying Jesus went and announced victory to the demons in prison. You know, well, in Tartarus. My favorite anecdote too is that Jewish men are forbidden from bathing in hot springs because the springs were heated supposedly <laughs> from the fire that was torturing the angels did you ever hear really? that yeah oh, that's my right favorite down. little uh whoa i gotta write that down <laughs> yeah that's a good one yeah and 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 the, uh what is what wet dreams were uh lilith <laughs> stealing your seed to produce <laughs> that's just a funny one wow um, yeah that, so, that's so would you say is enoch like it's i mean it's yeah i guess the, it's referenced and now we're going to get into what like yeah. biblical canon. Um, yeah. I mean, is it to be trusted? Is it, is that stuff even important? I guess not. It's just, it's really fun to, yeah. you know, it's fun to think about. I think it's incredibly important. I, I think, so my PhD was in, my, my PhD was in basically in Jewish background literature. So I spent okay. more time reading Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and other sometimes biblical books. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it absolutely gives you a wonderful picture of the biblical world that the biblical writers were thinking through. So I would put Enoch on par with, uh, John Piper and Francis Chan. Ooh. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. Uh, John Piper and Francis Chan are not inspired. Um, but man, they, I think they get a lot of things right. And it, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just picking those two out of my nose there, but I mean, put whatever, you know, bra bell or wh- whoever your, your favorite non-inspired Christian leader is. Um, and if you preach a sermon, would you quote from them? Have you ever quoted from, um, you know, uh, who's the, uh, oh, saddleback that, guy a, or, you know, <laughs> that's a super good parallel. Yeah. Okay. Oh, totally. So, so like the C.S. Lewis that, who gets quoted totally, yeah, all C.S. the time. Lewis. Okay. Yeah, so that's a good one. Enoch is like C.S. Lewis. I will quote from okay. C.S. Lewis in a sermon. Doesn't mean he's on par with Scripture. So the same thing happens in in the Book of Jude or Second um, Peter. You know, it's, uh, the Book of Jude quotes from 
That's Enoch. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, doesn't mean he thinks it's inspired, but he does value it as helpful religious literature. And is everything in Enoch true? No. Is everything in Francis Chan true? No. Um, is are a lot of things? I I think so. I think yeah. So. I think yeah. they're incredibly helpful for understanding the biblical world. Well, and something you said reminded me, kind of going back to the the mysticism. It seems, for some reason, it seems blatantly obvious to me. How are people not worried that doesn't the Bible specifically say like people will be led away by like strange enticing yeah. teachings and like is that oh, not boy. exactly like what might be <laughs> happening? Why is no one even like questioning that that might? I'm not saying it is, but right, right. is it not yeah. something to be like eh? like because it? Yeah, I don't know, man. There's I just... think so. No, I you know. I was just reading today in Revelation two and three, where you know the, the seven churches and some of the accusations that Jesus makes against the churches and and says that's wrong. It's like golly, he could. Some of those yeah. things are like exactly what we're doing today, and and or Second Peter or First Peter four. You know, in the latter days, people will be like lovers of pleasure, lovers yeah. of self, all these oh, things. Yeah. I'm like, this Modern is America. like. Oh my word! Yeah. And not in a not in a Pharisaical way. I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, I violated half of these things mm-hmm. before before I did my morning devotions. You know, like, and, and so yeah, I think that he, he, here's what the problem is: a, a lot of people today, I think, are so reacting against anything that they heard in their fundamentalist upbringing, and I and I'm I fall into that too. But some things we learned in a fundamentalist Sunday school are right. Like this is the narrative we heard in Sunday school, right? Like you know, reading these passages and saying, we're in the last days and look at all this stuff happening. And, and a lot of that stuff is bogus and it just is, gets yeah. all off the rails, but some of it is right. The road yeah. is narrow. People will be led away by false teaching and false doctrine words that we don't like to use anymore. But that is, yes, that exists today where, who is a false teacher, whatever. Yeah, that's another that's, discussion, that's but exactly, let's at least acknowledge that people are going to be saying things in the name of Jesus. They're going to be completely wrong. So, Oof. <laughs> heavy stuff man good stuff though. i love it uh even with so revelation isn't that one of those weird it happened and it will happen because didn't didn't some people think that's what happened in 70 a.d when uh the temple yeah. was destroyed and what emperor nero oh yeah yeah i you I know i it, doesn't it hinge on when it was written yes well partially because some books are written after the fact um, and then they describe it as kind of a prophecy. That's that ha- happens in scripture sometimes. But I-, I take Revelation as mostly first century stuff. But I don't want to put it all there. I think there is, especially in Revelation nineteen to twenty two. There definitely seems to be a more future kind of thing going on. But most of the tribulation stuff and dragons and beasts and all this, I think that's that's it's simple Roman politics right there. I think it's, you know, attacking Roman imperial stuff going on in the first century. But I, again, I want to, it's kind of a both and kind of what you said, like it, this is, this is what's happened. This is what Rome is. This is what they're doing, but this is kind of characteristic of any political empire that's yeah, trying to, it seems to happen over and over and over again. That totally. seems to be absolutely like, that's what I've kind of realized is that like the Hebrew people, you can just substitute yourself for like their struggle is like your life right. pretty much like across the board. Like, thanks God. I'm going to go my own way now. Oh, I need you again, God. You know, um, right. 
this like we can kind of wrap i hope man we should do this again sometime for sure <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do one more and wrap it up yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay are we in the millennial reign i say yes. i say yes <laughs> and i guess i um we'll define it for people don't um the theory of that there's either the millennium where jesus reigns there's like a thousand years of peace uh you can either be it has yet to happen right it's currently in place what's the third one that it's just not even a thing or it's a description of the future state. Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. So either the millennium, the thousand years, is a description of what we're doing now, or it's a description of a future thousand-year time period that's different from our ultimate future, or it is a description of the ultimate future. I don't know. I, I'm going to punt. Um, here's what I do know. Well, I shouldn't say no. Here's what I do believe pretty confidently is that the thousand, the thousand years in Revelation 20 is not a literal thousand years. So whatever that time period represents, whether it's now or future, um, I, I don't think we should get wrapped up in the literalness of the thousand. Yeah. And I say that because give me one number in Revelation that is yeah, literal. It's all exactly. figurative. So if this is the one time when John busts out an actual literal number, then okay, you got it. <laughs> but you have to at least build that case. Don't just assume it's literal. Um I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I haven't really studied it enough to know. I mean, I grew up in a really kind of dispensational rapture pre-trib where it's definitely in the future, but I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just a fun one. Well, thanks, Preston, um, for indulging my... Uh, sure, man. You get a snapshot of what I think about pretty much all the time, <laughs> every day, uh, which is why I really appreciate your books, man. You really, uh, you just lay out the facts, which are very cool. good. Um, Thanks, man. But yeah, I hope we can do this again. I'm sure Jay will want to. So uh, yeah, man. Have a good rest of your day, man. Looking forward to your new book coming out. Thanks for having it on. Thanks for having me on. All right, see you. I got to go, man. This is great. Let me know when it's up, okay? to the interview with Preston. Sorry Jay couldn't make it and he will be here next time. We got some good interviews coming up and since he's not here, uh, I just discovered Ray Stevens 
Have any of you people heard of Ray Stevens? Uh, he wrote the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Um, you gotta hear this shit. <laughs> uh, this is his song, Taylor Swift is Stalking Me. I'll have to call the cops. She follows me everywhere I go. I can't make her stop. I swear sometimes she's been inside my house when I've been gone. She's about to drive me crazy. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. Taylor Swift is stalking me. She's a little She's stalking me. She's piling in the backyard now, up in that tall pine tree. With a pair of night vision goggles, focused right on me. I swear she's everywhere I go. You know, it's plain to see. Yeah, that's a thing, and that exists. Thanks for listening.